I have been camping, but I did go home and shower first, everybody. I, I feel Lindsay told me I should, that's why I did. Um, it's great to be here this morning. I can't wait until we can gather together again. Uh, thank you, ladies, for the music. It's beautiful. Uh, before we get started, let's bow our heads and let's say a little prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, God, we are so thankful. Lord, for the opportunity. Lord, to seek your presence. Lord, that you are so readily available for us. Lord, I am thankful that you're creator and Lord God of all. Lord, I pray as we spell out your word this morning, Lord, as we dive into it, Lord, that we could have it written on our hearts. Lord, that not only would we hear it, but we could go forth and feel it. Lord, as you've called us to do. God, I pray that you would change our hearts and minds this morning. Lord, to the closer and glorify your kingdom. Lord, I am so thankful for this opportunity. Lord, I'm thankful that you've kept our community safe. Lord, and I continue to pray for your protection on us. God, to keep us healthy and happy. Lord, I pray for this church body. Lord, and all that are listening today, Lord, that you would keep them healthy. Lord, protect them, lift them up. Lord, guide us in a new direction. In Jesus' holy and precious name we pray. Amen. Um, I've got more of a story to tell this morning, and then I'm going to get into uh, a story in John chapter 4. It's a familiar story, but it kind of opened my eyes to some things this morning. Uh, me and my family went camping in a cabin on a pond that my grandpa had built many years ago. Uh, that's a story kind of in itself, but... I was down there earlier this week, and I had took some bunk beds apart, and we put them in a house that we had sold, and so when I took them back to the cabin, I just left them in pieces down there, and so I went back earlier this week, one evening by myself, and I started putting these bunk beds back together, and it was just so peaceful and calm, and uh, I turned on some old country gospel music, and I was listening, and I got that done, and I just sat on the front porch, and I was looking at the pond and the wind had a little breeze blowing, nothing like it was Friday night. My gosh, it's like it blew us off the water Saturday and the wind was blowing yesterday. Um, but as I sat there and I looked at the pond and I looked at the ripples of the water and it was steadily going through the overflow that uh, was put in the middle so it wouldn't overflow the dam, God started showing me something. And I had never really thought about it before but see God is life and Jesus is life and there's a ton and ton of comparisons about living waters and so I was looking at this pond and, and the dam that was built and everything that it kind of went into making this and God was showing me that waters aren't made to be dammed up the waters are made to flow. And obviously we're not talking about real waters here. We're talking about the Spirit of God. But as this stream flows into the pond, so flows it through the overflow. And when it rains real hard, we've got two other overflows, and they all push out a bunch of water. But in the summertime, as these creeks dry up, as this, the wet water springs dry up, the things that fill this pond, you know, the 
pond slowly start to recede. It is spring-fed, so it keeps water in it all year, and it doesn't fluctuate more than a couple feet. But the water in the pond gets stagnant because it doesn't produce enough water to help it flow out the overflow. And so in the summertime when it gets hot and the water gets stagnant, weeds start to grow up in it, the moss starts to accumulate, and the water gets dingier and dirtier. See, this time of year when it's cooler weather and the water's flowing, there's not any moss. There's not any of that nasty grass stuff that grows up in it. It's experiencing the newness of life. But the thing that God was telling me as I was sitting there is how we build our own dams to block the flow of the Spirit. See, I believe that the way it's supposed to work is that we, we accept Christ as Savior. And we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. It's not made to just stop with us. God didn't give us the Spirit so that we could cage it up and that we could keep it all to ourselves. See, God made the Spirit so that we could go tell other people about it, so that we could share God's Spirit with other people. So that we could use the Spirit that dwells in us to lift up brothers and sisters in times of need, to heal people, to guide people, teach people, but mainly so that we could use it to influence the unbelief, the unbelievers in life, the unbelievers that God puts on our path, that we can share testimony, that we can allow God's Spirit to flow through us so that we don't dam it up and we don't stop the flow of the Spirit because it's never meant to be pulled inside of you. See, I always thought it was the coolest thing when we talk about um, the prophets Elijah and Elisha. See, when Elisha was buried and put in a tomb, they threw a dead person in there with him, and the dead person touched his body and came back to life. That's how much of the spirit that Elisha or Elisha had inside of him. I always thought that was the coolest thing. And, and when you're talking in church and the spirit gets flowing in here and, and lives are being radically changed, I always thought that people could feel that as they drove by on the streets. Just getting close to where the spirit is moving, I believe, changes people. But the Spirit has to be flowing. See, if I take that Spirit and I cage it up and I shove it deep down inside, and I choose not to share it with anybody, nobody around me has effectually changed. But when I receive God's Spirit and I allow it to flow through me, my acts change, my conversations change, my thoughts change, my actions change. And so through the Spirit changing me, it affects my outward not only my inward, but also my outward flow. So the things that I would do are different. The way I treat people is different. The way I love people is different because I have the dwelling of the Holy Spirit inside of me and I allow it to flow through me. See, about three years ago, I seen a lady on the side of the road had recently been baptized in and my life was changing as I knew it. And I was driving home from Mount Home, and I seen this lady with a flat tire. She was pulled in somebody's driveway. And I pulled over, and I, I was helping her, and I was laying down on the ground. And we were visiting, and she was sitting there. And she actually had a beer and was drinking a beer as I was sitting there changing her flat tire. Uh, 
Spirit of God started flowing through me. We started talking about um, Christ, and she revealed to me that her grandpa used to be a pastor and that she had slidden so far back that she didn't even know if her grandpa would even talk to her anymore and things of that nature. And I just let her know where I come from and who I was and, and the reason why I stopped. And I'll just be completely honest with you, like I was honest with her. I told her, I said, about two years ago, I would have never stopped to help you. About two years ago, I was a different man than what I, I was then. Because I didn't care about people as much as I cared about myself. But see, allowing Christ to flow through us changes us, and it changes our actions. So as I'm laying there, middle of the summer, sweating in nice khaki pants, I was in the dress clothes, and I was laying on the ground changing this lady's tire because God told me to turn around and go back. And so I was sharing with her the effectual change that Christ had in my life once I started to live for the Father's will and not my own. And see, when we don't control the flow of the Spirit, good things happen. As I was sitting there, talking with her, sweat dripping off my face, khakis dirty, uh, those lug nuts were on there tight. I don't know how many years they've been off there, but... Uh, I, I eventually got her tire changed and I was sitting there visiting with her and she poured out the rest of her beer and she said, you know, I'm going to change today. She said, you know, I'm going to call my grandpa. And she's like, I'm going to talk with him. See, the point wasn't for me to change her flat tire. That was a sidebar. The point wasn't for her to experience bad luck to have a flat. God was allowing me the opportunity to let the Spirit flow through me to have an effectual difference on somebody else's life. See, one of the things, when my grandpa built that pond, it had, I think Lloyd told him, it had eight or nine springs that flowed into it as he was building it. Because it was essentially a creek that ran year-round all the way from the top of the holler to the, the dirt road down there. And when my grandpa built this pond, his neighbor down below him said, what am I going to do for water for my cows now that you have stopped the flow of water? And so my grandpa buried pipe and put valves on it so that he could go turn it on and off to keep a water drop down at the bottom of the damn pool. But see, that's what happens whenever we dam up the flow. Everything downhill from us runs out of water. And so grass will start to fade away and trees will start to die. But the minute you allow that flow to start back, it brings back life. See, in Revelations, it talks about the flowing. Well, I'll just flip to it because I've got it marked. Revelations chapter 22, starting in verse 1, it says, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manners of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month, and the leaves, the tree, were for healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. And they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. 
and there shall be no night, and they need no candle, neither the light nor the sun. The Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. So when we talk about the pure river, the water of life, water gives life to everything it touches, much like the Spirit. And as I was sitting there on the porch swing looking at this, and as God was revealing this to me, all dams are man-made. See, God doesn't build dams. He, he wants us to allow the Spirit to flow through us, the living waters to flow through us. He doesn't build dams. We build dams with our insecurities and our lacks of knowledge and, and our depression and our hate and our, our lack of forgiveness, our unwillingness to love or to trust. See, these are the things that build dams and that block up the flow of the Spirit. So as we go through life, and I've, I've come encounter with several older people, and they're not necessarily negative people, but when you have the flow of the Spirit and excitement moving in your life and you have new ideas, call it wisdom if you will, a lot of times they're like, we've tried that, it don't work. You can't do that. I wouldn't even waste my time. See, the bitterness of life takes a hold of people sometimes. Because a lot of times people experience bad things as they grow older. And we allow those bad things to accumulate and to harden our hearts. It puts us in places where we don't trust people like we ought to. It puts us in places where we can't love like we're supposed to. It definitely puts us in places where we can't forgive like we need to. But see, all of these things dam up the flow of the Spirit. The hardening of the heart damages the flow. So as we allow these things to stay and to build on one another, our dam gets bigger. And as that pool of water, the river of life flows against that dam, the pool gets bigger. See, if you're ever worried about that spring of living water running out, it won't. When you allow the Holy Spirit to dwell with you, it is an everlasting flow. The Spirit will never run out. Why? Because our Father is unending. He's eternal. So is the flow of the Spirit. But, the good news is, is that just like we can build dams, we can also tear them down. You know, one of my favorite sayings is, how do you eat an entire elephant? The answer is one bite at a time. Just like you would eat anything else. And so as we stack this dam up, as we build this dam to block the flow of water, it's one thing after another stacked on top of each other. But as you seek God, and you start looking at His Word, and you start looking towards Him to effectually change your life, you unstack these blocks. You unstack the blocks of unforgiveness. You unstack the blocks of hatred. 
You unstack the blocks of jealousy. You unstack the blocks of unforgiveness. You unstack the blocks of maybe abuse or trustworthiness or whatever has changed your life. But to see all of these things that we've stacked up on top of one another to build this dam are all earthly things. And I believe that all earthly things should never have an effect on the flow of the Spirit. See, we should be so rooted in the Word of God and, and so steadfast in His Spirit that the nature of this world does not have an effect on us. Why? Because we're living for the same thing. Why? Because our God is the same God. He says that he's the same yesterday, today, and always. So if we're rooted in him, it doesn't matter what happens in this world. It doesn't matter the hate and turmoil and distrust that you go through. The word of God resides in you. The Holy Spirit resides in you. And you remain steadfast in God's love. Now, that's much easier said than done. As I stand up here, it's way easier to say it than to act it out. But these are the works that we have to work on in our own lives, not allowing our hearts to harden, not allowing ourselves to build dams where we can't share the Spirit of God. I'm going to be in John chapter 4 as I walk through the story. I just I thought it was amazing. Um, and I'll be honest with you, I, I was in my Bible every night this week, and we always take our Bibles when we go camping or wherever we go, and we have Bible time, and we sing, and we praise. But when I opened up my Bible this morning, when I got back to my house, and I took a shower, and was fixing to come down here, God showed me this story, and he said, this is the story I want you to share this morning. And so we're going to start in John chapter 4. And it says, When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not, but his own disciples, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee. In verse 4 it says, And he must needs go through Samaria. See, the peculiar thing about verse 4 is a lot of people that were traveling from Judea to Galilee would have never went through Samaria. See, the Samaritan people were a mix of Jews and Gentiles and were not accepted by either group. They were the mutt of the group, if you will, and dejected by both. And so they were a peculiar people um, that was kind of rejected by the rest of the region or the world, so to speak, that they lived in. But Jesus found it necessary when he was traveling to go out of his way to stop at Samaria. I don't know about anybody else, but I'm glad sometimes that Jesus goes out of his way to find people that are dejected by this world. In verse 5 it says, Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sichar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well. And it was about the sixth hour, which would be around noon. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. 
As we read through these, I want you to know the significance of the woman coming at noon to draw water. Because in most times, because of the heat of the day, people would do their work early in the morning, sleep in the noon hour, and then do work in the evening time. So most other women that came to draw water either came early in the morning or late at night. But Jesus came in the noon hour, and so did this woman. It's no coincidence. Verse 7, it says, There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus, say, Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, Ask me, ask drink of me, which I am a woman of Samaria. For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. See, Jesus is a standout because he not only went out of his way to, to stop in Samaria, he went to the well in the middle of the day, the hottest part of the day. He found a Samarian woman there. And this woman's even like, why are you talking to me? Jews don't want anything to do with us. But see, Jesus is different. That he wants everything to do with everybody. And so Jesus set forth a plan. In verse 10, it said, Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou would have gone and asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith to him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? She's like, You brought nothing to draw water with. And this well is so deep you could never climb in and go get your own. How are you supposed to give me living water? Verse 12, Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. See, the difference between that stagnant old pond that I was talking about being dammed up and the waters that Jesus is talking about is Jesus' water gives life everlasting. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit gives you life everlasting through the acceptance of a Savior that God sent us. And it says that it's a spring. Welling up inside of ourselves. Sending into everlasting life. It's never ending. You can't use too much of the Spirit. You can't run out of the Spirit. See, God says if you seek Him, you'll find Him. 
God also tells us and shows us in, in parables that Jesus spoke about him giving responsibilities to people, and if they handle it well, they'll keep giving and keep giving and keep giving. Because, see, God's blessings are unending. God's Spirit is unending, and the more Spirit that we allow to flow out of us unto other people, our well will never run dry. He will keep filling us and keep pouring out of us if we keep using it and pouring it out of Himself. You know, I've heard story talked about your cup. And the story goes like this. There was a man talking to a lady about the Spirit and, and the indwelling of the Spirit and how his cup was just full and overflowing. See, he was using his Spirit. He was talking to people about the knowledge of a, of a Christ that had died. See, he was actively seeking to talk to people and share the good news gospel. The only thing that she had done was show up to church for the last 30 years. And she said, oh, son, your, your young energy is nice. But I had my cup filled long ago. That's a sad story for me. Pulling gets stale and stagnant, mold starts to grow, and moss starts to grow. And sitting water isn't good for anything, and eventually will dry up if there's no source. Brother Bruce even talks about every time he fills a water trough, he allows it to overflow just a little bit. Because he likes the significance of the fact that we should be overflowing. That the Spirit of God should flow through us out into other people. See, that's how we edify the body of Christ. That's how we set our presence together through the Spirit that Jesus Christ left to give us. That's how we can be united in spirit. That's how we're gathered today. That's how I can feel the love and support of my brothers and sisters because I know that there's people praying for me. I know that there's people praying for Luarda and Annika and everybody here today. I know that there's people praying for this service. I know that there's people praying for other services out there. Why? Because we are united in the spirit. And see, when we pray for one another and we lift one another up in songs and hymns and praises, as we pray and, and battle for one another and say intercessory prayers for the spiritual bonds to be broken, we're allowing the Spirit to flow through us and you will never run out because God is good. See, that Spirit is not to be made dammed up and stopped right here with me. If I told God that I had enough spirit that was sufficient for the rest of my life and I never gave it to anybody, I wouldn't be standing here today. None of the people in this room, as few as we are, would be here today. Because we would use our abilities and talents to suffice ourselves and that would be good enough. But see, that's not how the spirit of God works. It is for you. Christ made the all-sufficient sacrifice that we can have the indwelling of the Spirit, but it's not supposed to puddle up inside of you. You're not supposed to stop the flow. You're supposed to give it to other people and allow people to experience the Spirit through you if they've never experienced it. 
See, I will tell you how one little conversation can convert a whole life for somebody. And not only just one life, but many lives. As we go more into the story. In verse 15, chapter 4 of John, it says, The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water, that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus said, Go unto her, go call thy husband, and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast said, as well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. And that saidest thou truly. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you say that in Jerusalem is a place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship, you know what? We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is the Spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman saith unto him, I know the Messiah is come, which is called Christ. When he has come, he will tell us all things. Jesus said unto her, I that speak unto thee and he. And I want you to look at the three-step approach that Christ used in talking to this woman. First, he asked her for something. He asked her for water. That is breaking the barrier of communication a lot of times that we have when somebody sets aside and says, they're so much better than I am, I can't even talk to them. See, we as Christians get a, a persona, a, a thought, a realm around us that we're so much better than everybody else when in fact we are no better than anybody else. We just have a little bit more knowledge than what they have. But the great thing is, is that they can have it too. But that's not something to flaunt because it's nothing you did. See, you graciously accepted a gift that Christ gave you. Not because of something you did, but for something that Christ did. Jesus didn't flaunt the fact that he was a Jew and that he was better than she was, but he simply made conversation with her and drew her in. He broke the initial barrier where she would have normally walked up and there would have been a man there and she probably would have just waited until he left before he ever drew water, especially the fact that he was a Jew and that she was a Samaritan. And so he initiated the contact. How many of us as Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ are initiating the contact? How many of us are standing up so boldly through the Spirit that we initiate contact? We do it on purpose. We are purposeful in the things that we do, the things that we say, the conversations we have, the way that we speak, the way that we act. 
See, I'll give you another story of a guy that had a raggedy old little Christmas tree and he would set it on the counter at a store. And the store owner said, I will get you a better tree than that. You don't have to keep setting that same one up year after year. And he said, no, this is the tree I want. The owner says, why? And the guy says, because people start to ask me questions and I can share them, the gospel in the special time of year about the birth of a Savior. See, he was intentional. He set that tree up on purpose to spark conversation about a Savior that came in a virgin birth. And so how intentional are you being in your day-to-day -day life? How intentional are we allowing the Spirit to flow through us? I had an instance where I was, I used to be a beer salesman. I was stocking a beer cooler at a gas station one day. And I was in there and I was singing a gospel song that I just heard on Caleb. And the lady comes back and she's like, you know we can hear you out here, right? And I said, that is all right. I'm sorry I'm not a better singer. But one day I was a little bit down and out and I wasn't my normal self. And I walked into that store and I was in the cooler, and I was doing my job. There's not much sense or zeal about me. And she walked back there, and she opened the door, and she said, You okay today? And I said, Yeah, why? And she goes, Well, you're not singing and praising God like you normally do. See, there's a noticeable difference when somebody who has the Spirit of God that normally lets it flow through them, dams it up. See, God has allowed me to live a life where I've had an effectual difference on people, not because of me, but because of His Spirit and who He is. See, He puts it inside of you. And the, like I said, the trials of life that day had dammed up the flow of the Spirit through me into other people. And she said, well, I sure like it a lot better when you're singing and praising. And I said, you know what? I do too. And I started singing. See, we can help other people knock blocks out of their dam. We can help build one another up. See, Jesus initiated contact with this woman. He was purposeful. He went out of his way to go into Samaria to set in a well, waiting on a woman. Second, he offered her something. He not only broke down the barrier asking her if he could have some water to initiate contact, but then the second thing that he done was he offered her something. And he didn't offer her normal things. He didn't offer just normal stuff that we would offer, you know, conversations about the weather. Uh, would you like a soda? He offered the river of life. He offered her the living water. He told her that whoever drinks of this well will thirst again, but whoever drinks of my water will never thirst. And see, that's the effectual difference. Sometimes we go out and we make contact and we do that initial contact and we start having a conversation and then we get derailed by whatever is going on in life. Whether the weather or whatever it is, COVID-19. And we forget the importance of talking about the things that we talking about. We 
forget the importance of sharing the gospel even with believers and unbelievers alike. See, believers, just like unbelievers, need to hear the gospel sometimes as much as anybody else. Because we, even as Christians, have bad days and we put building blocks and we try to dam up the flow of the Spirit and another brother or sister in Christ that is doing the things that they're supposed to be doing can come in and help you unstack those blocks. See, it takes a team. It takes all of us together and not just a team. That's the wrong language in this aspect. I'm talking about a family. A family that shares the same blood, which is the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And see, lastly, he reveals himself as the Messiah. It's amazing the way Jesus worked in this woman's life. It's amazing how he took time to travel out of his way. To sit on a well to talk to a woman that most deemed unworthy to even talk to. Not only that, she had five different husbands, failed marriages over and over and over again. She was currently living with a man that she wasn't married to, which is also very frowned upon. That's why she was there in the middle of the day when everybody else wasn't, because she was living a life of embarrassment, and she was shunned even from her own community. Not only was she shunned from the rest of the world for being a mix of Jew and Gentile and their whole community was shunned together, but she was even shunned by the shunned community. And see, that's how God and Jesus work, because you've never done anything that's so terrible or so bad that they won't seek you out and find you and offer you the living water. See, God so graciously sought me out in my sin and pulled me out of the depths of hell. He shined light into my darkness so that I can shine his light into other people's darkness. I'm not here to condemn or judge or do any of these things, but I'm here to build one another up and I'm here to tell people the truth. And see, that shouldn't be shut out by earthly things. Just because we're separated right now does not mean church stops because the church is in you. Because the Spirit is in you. See, this building, without anybody here, it's just a building. There's nothing in it. But whenever God's children enter this building, they bring the Spirit with them. That's why it's so important before you go to church, before you start getting ready for church, your mind angles that way, asking for the rally of the Holy Spirit to come through and change people. Because see, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and the flow of the Spirit through one another is radical change. If the disciples in, in the first part of Acts, if they had just stayed where they were, if they didn't do what Jesus commanded them to do and tell them to go out, the thousands of people that received the Spirit in the first couple weeks would have never happened. See, if they would have just kept their mouths shut like kings and, and Pharisees and everybody told them to, we would have a different life today. See, it's the flowing of the Spirit that makes an effectual difference. I don't believe 
believe that God intended us to receive the Spirit just to hang on to it and to stop it. The first, where am I at? Verse 24? 26. 26. Verse 26, Jesus said to her, I, the, I that speak unto thee and he. And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, What seekest thou, or why talkest thou with her? The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him meat to eat? Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. See, too often in our conversations we get caught up talking about work and the, the frantics of this life and the fears that are coursing through the world right now, but we're not talking about the things that matter. We're not talking about everlasting things. We're talking about temporary worldly things that are putting building blocks in the dam of the Spirit. See, when we're intentionally talking to people, and I had a really bad week at work this last week. It's probably the worst one since I've been there, but as this confinement and that solitude continues to carry on, people's tempers are getting shorter, and emotions are riding higher. But see, this is the perfect time for God's children to take control of the situation. See, after a lot of prayer with me and my wife and, and brothers and sisters in Christ, I went into work Friday knowing that the weekend was come, and I spent a lot of time talking Friday about the love of God to people that called me that were in bad situations. And so Friday they would call to ask me a question about their bank account, and I would get an opportunity to share the love of God with them, and it made their day better, and it made my day better, and by the end of the day, I was joyous again. Why? Because I was focusing on the meat, as Jesus said. In verse 34, Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. It had nothing to do with food, because you say you don't live by bread alone, by the word of God, and to do his will should be the focus of his children. And God wishes that none would perish. See, I don't think my salvation hangs on the works that I do. I don't think that God's joyousness comes by what I can do for the kingdom. But it is my duty to do the will of the Father that sent me. And so yes, sometimes I tarry, and sometimes I stray, and you will catch me talking about the weather, or a cat being born, or things of that nature, but I promise you, I promise you that I will do my best in every situation to see the light of God and to share 
that life. Because that's what we can do. As children of the King, we can come together and we can lift one another up out of that darkness. But see, sometimes it takes a step of action of our own, not just somebody coming along to lift you out, but you actually have to start doing the work of the Father. So if you sit in a deep depression or a dark mode in your life, and there's nothing you can do, and it keeps spiraling more and more out of control, get in the Word of God, pick somebody to go talk to, and share the Word of God with them. Just start talking to them about the Word of God. Just start talking to them about what God has done in your life. Just start talking and asking them what God has done in their life. And I'll guarantee you the more that you talk about God and the more you share His Word and the more you think about His Word, you will see your life start to change. I'm not saying that there won't be dark valleys, but you will be more assured than ever that God is there with you. Because you'll be faithful in His Word and you'll know that's what He said. Verse 34, Jesus said unto them, I meet is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. See, we shouldn't put off these things. Well, I'll go talk to my neighbor next week about God. If God is calling you to something, he will get you through that something. Amen? If God is calling you, he will equip you. You are basing your irrationality, your fears on your own abilities when you should be putting your stock in God's abilities because he will supply for you. If God is calling you to it, you already have the tools to finish it. You just have to go when he says go. See, oftentimes we we think about things that need to be done in the church or in our communities, and I'm not smart enough, I'm not fast enough, I'm not quick enough, I don't know the Bible good enough, I'm not a teacher, I'm not a preacher, I don't know how to open a door. We get all kinds of excuses. My life is too busy, I'm too tired, I burn out, I don't want to be there. If I didn't cover the excuse that you have, add it to the list. Because God will supply if he calls you to go. Not all serve next quarter. Not all serve next year. Not all serve when things are back to the way they were. Not next week. Not next month. Not next time. If God is calling you now, go. You will be more blessed and will flourish more in the kingdom of God set up for eternal things than ever before. Because you are doing the will of the Father. See, Jesus is telling them that yet in four months, then the harvest will be ready. And he says, no, lift up your eyes. Look on the fields now. The harvest is already ready. In verse 36, and it says, He that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit into life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap there whereon you bestowed no labor. Other men labor, and you are entered in for their labors. 
In verse 39 it says, And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him, for saying of the woman which testified, He told me all that ever I did. So when the Samaritans were coming to him, they besought him that he would tarry with them. And he abode there two days. And many more believed because of his word. And said unto the woman, Now we believe, not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves, and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. See, Jesus taking the time to go out of his way to sit at a well, to talk to a woman that was rejected by her own community, that was rejected by the rest of the world, that was a nobody. See, Jesus took that woman and said she went back to her community and she shared it with the rest of her community and she allowed that spirit to flow through her. It says many believe. See, this is the effectual change that one person can have on an entire world. The only reason that our results are small is because our expectations are small and because our prayers are small and because our belief in God is small. To have an effectual change, you have to believe that God is God and you have to believe in Him and you have to believe in a Savior and you have to allow God to be Lord God, controller of your life. See, even Satan believes that God is God, but he does not believe that God is Lord God. See, there's a huge difference between God and Lord God. When you say Lord God, you are effectually allowing him to control your life. See, God will be God. It doesn't matter whether you believe it or not. God is God. I want... Lord God. I want him to control my thoughts. I want him to control my actions. I want him to control my songs, my steps, my sight, my ears. I want him to control everything about me. See, I want his spirit to flow through me like the living waters that Jesus talks about. See, we're all, if you look at us, we're all a bunch of wells walking around. Some of these wells are filled with the Spirit, and some are springing up and will never run dry. And see, then there's empty wells that are walking around because we're all vessels. God created us all to hold His Spirit. You have to effectually choose to hold the Holy Spirit or not. And I pray today that you don't accept that Spirit and you damn it up and allow it to collect mold and moss and get dingy. Because, see, that's not the way God created it to be. And as I looked at that pond and as I watched it flowing through this pipe and I've watched it flow over the ends of both of the dams and I've, I know ponds that don't hold water. See, water seeks to flow at any instance it gets the chance. Did you hear that? Water seeks to move in any opportunity it has. 
if it can seep down through the soil and continue to move underground, it will. If it has a pipe to flow through, it will. If it has a dam to overflow, it will. If it can go around a rock, it will. If it can go through a rock, it will. If it can flow uphill, I believe that it would. See, water seeks to flow. The Spirit seeks to flow through you. God designed it so that His Spirit would flow through you into other people. And see, the reason I know these things is because I took time and I took time to sit and listen to what God had for me. I hope that this world is forever changed by God sending a message to us right now. Because on a normal Thursday night, about this time, I probably would have been in a vault with somebody. I would have never sat on that porch and looked at God's creation and allowed him to speak to me. But God says, when you seek me, you will find me. And he says, the lambs will know their shepherd by the sound of his voice. If Jesus comes back this afternoon, do you know the sound of his voice? Are we making effectual differences in the worlds that we live in by allowing the Spirit to flow through us by any means necessary? See, just like the flowing water, it finds a way to move. Sometimes it needs help. Sometimes it needs rain to flow through that overflow pipe or to flow through into the dam. But water seeks to flow constantly and forever. Are we constantly seeking opportunities to allow our spirit to flow? Do we want our spirit to, do we want God's spirit to flow out of us at any opportunity it has to flow out of us? Zach Yarger used to sing a song at Pontiac that would talk about trying to talk to a best friend about Christ and always ended up talking about the weather. Tomorrow might be too late. Tomorrow might be too late. Today, this afternoon, this evening, an hour from now might be too late. If God is calling you to something, don't rely on your own ability. Don't say, I can't. If God is calling you to it, he's already supplied you with everything that you need. Just because the world deems it as failure does not mean it is failure in God's eyes. See, God can take the worst things and make it some of the greatest things. When the earth thought that they had conquered a Savior and put him in a tomb, God says, watch this. I will take the worst thing that you can possibly do by taking my son's life and it give me three days and he resurrected his Savior and overcame death. He made the worst thing the best thing. If you're thinking that you're going through a tough spot right now, God is using it to do something in your life. The greatest testimonies come from the biggest tests. I believe it. Because God says that he works together all things for those that believe in him. If you don't know what I'm talking about by the dwelling of the Holy Spirit, 
when you get down on your knees, when you are out in that field, whenever you feel God calling you to cry out to Him and say, God, what I've been doing hasn't been working. I need a Savior because I am a sinner. I'm ready to throw all these old things away. God, and I'm ready to turn towards you. I believe it with my heart, and I'm saying it with my mouth. God, I need your Son as my Savior. I want the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. See, it says not only confess it with your mouth, but believe it in your heart. That should be a life-changing moment for us where we no longer walk the same. And I implore you that today, if you feel that calling, sitting wherever you are, watching this video at whatever time, that you pause it right now and that you say, God, take me. God, I want to be one of your children. God, I don't want to just be one of your creations, but I want to be one of your children. God, send the Holy Spirit to guide me, to wreck me. God, I don't want you to just be a God. I want you to be my Lord God. I want to turn from everything that I used to be and turn to everything that you have for me. See, it's a surrendering of your life. It's a surrendering of the old life and looking for new life. See, this woman had no clue what was going to happen to her at the well. But she was willing. She was willing to say yes. She was willing to be obedient. She was willing to allow Jesus Christ to guide her life. And Jesus went out of his way to find her. Today I ask you to make that change. I don't care if you've been sitting in a church pew for the last 30 years and you say that you got your cup filled a long time ago. Is it overflowing? Are your waters still and stagnant? Are your waters creating life downstream? Or are they even flowing? These are the questions we have to ask ourselves because at any age, God can use you. God uses my kids to show me things all the time. God uses my great-grandpa as we sat on the front porch when he was 96 years old. He had an influence on my life. You don't have to be a certain age. You don't have to be a certain color. You don't have to be a certain gender. Allow the Spirit of God to flow through you because it creates life downstream. When we allow the Spirit of God to flow through us, it has an effectual difference to everyone around us. Be intentional this week. Ask yourself, am I seizing every opportunity to allow the Spirit of God to flow through me? Am I showing them the things of a heavenly kingdom or am I showing them earthly things? As we wrap up, I want you to say a prayer. If you have not accepted Christ as your Savior, pray for it now. The rest of you, if you would, please bow your heads with me as we close in a word of prayer. 
Gracious Heavenly Father, God, I pray that this word that you gave me, Lord, I know by your telling of me through your word that nothing, no work in you comes back void or vain. So God, I believe that this word today has an effectual change, not only on myself, Lord, as you revealed yourself to me and showed me the things that you would have, but God, I believe that this word was meant for somebody out there and that today there is an effectual change made on somebody's life that they are no longer walking in darkness and in sin, God, but they turn to you to have that living water well spring up inside of them. Oh God, what a glorious day it has been. Lord, don't let the hardnesses of life damn up your flow of living water. Allow us to break those dams down block by block that the, the living waters might have fruit downstream, Lord. That we wouldn't just be God, that you would be Lord God of our lives, that these strongholds that the earth takes, Lord, that would break down today. God, that somebody's well water that's been stagnant inside of them for years, God, that those dams might fall apart today, that they can start flowing freely, creating life on everything that it touches. Because God, you are life. And you're not only life temporary, God, but you are life eternal, God, and I am so excited to see a work that you're doing through the darkness. God, give us opportunity today. God, give us opportunity to allow the Spirit to flow through us. To know that we are equipped if you're calling us to go. That we do have the strength. That we do have enough knowledge. God, that we know you. And you've equipped us with everything. And for those of you that don't have the Spirit of God, cry out to Him today. Out and say, God, I want you to take control of my life. God, what I've been doing hasn't been working. God, I want everything that you would have for me. And I want to receive your spirit. And I want to turn from these wicked ways, God, because I realize that the life that I've been living, I need saved from. That I need a savior to overcome my sin. those that believe don't stop at asking for small things ask for big things because we serve a big God I pray for you all today that today would be the best day that you've experienced so far that tomorrow you would find yourself with more opportunity to spread the word of God than ever before that you would find a confidence inside of you that you've never felt to go do God's work the world's going to bring you things to eat. But the will of the Father is the meat that we live on. The words of this book, it says, are life. So we can live by the word of God. God, what a glorious day. God, I thank you for everything that you are everything that you do and are doing. God, I thank you that you're not just some God, but you're Lord God. Thank you. 